0: Support for this podcast and the following message come from the University of Alabama, offering over 70 premier bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degree programs in a flexible online format through Bama by Distance. Learn more or apply today at bamabydistance.ua.edu.
1: Before we get started, we want to acknowledge the death of writer Toni Morrison. She died on Monday. She was 88. She won the Pulitzer Prize. She won the Nobel Prize. She won the Presidential Medal of Freedom. And she won the National Humanities Medal. Books like Beloved, Sula, The Bluest Eye, and Song of Solomon have inspired countless young writers and thinkers. There's a documentary called Toni Morrison, The Pieces I Am that's in theaters in some cities right now. So seek that out. The way things worked out this week, after some discussion, we couldn't figure out a way to put together a show that would do justice to her work in the way we thought it deserved. But there's a flood of remembrances of her prose and her influence on and advocacy for other writers. There are also plenty of clips available where you can hear how she spoke about race and writing and life and beauty, and we encourage you to spend some time with those. We'll link to some favorite remembrances in the newsletter so you can hear from some of the people who felt her influence most keenly. She was a giant. She'll be greatly, greatly missed. What has muscles, wisecracks, muscles, car chases, muscles and two big movie stars? The new film Hobbs and Shaw starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Jason Statham. The two play their characters from the Fast and Furious franchise spun off into a fresh adventure. They race a mechanically enhanced super soldier played by Idris Elba to recover a deadly virus before it can melt the entire population of the planet into a series of small puddles. I'm Linda Holmes. We're talking about big fights and big budgets on today's Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR, so don't go away.
0: Support for NPR and the following message come from Netflix's Contodo, presenting Brown Love, a new podcast that aims to bring together the best and brightest of Latino Hollywood to get real about the industry and all the things Latinx communities are talking about on your timeline. Each week, the show features a roundtable of Latino actors, including Diane Guerrero from Orange is the New Black and Jessica Marie Garcia from On My Block. New episodes of Brown Love drop every Tuesday. Subscribe now where you listen to podcasts.
2: This message comes from NPR sponsor Pocket Casts. Whether you're new to Pocket Casts or have been a fan for years, as an NPR listener, they're offering you a free three-month trial of Pocket Casts Plus, giving you all of the great features of their free mobile app, plus more. Listen to the podcasts you love and discover even more when you redeem your trial at pocketcasts.com slash NPR.
1: Welcome back to Pop Culture Happy Hour. Joining us in the studio is writer Chris Klimek. Hey, Chris. I'm what
2: you call a champagne problem, Linda?
1: <laughs> and joining us from New York is our friend Daisy Rosario, an executive producer at Stitcher. Hi, Daisy. Hello. And continuing our tour up and down the East Coast, joining us from NPR member station WHYY in Philadelphia is our friend Christina Tucker, co-host of the Unfriendly Black Hotties podcast. Hey, Christina.
3: Hey, friends.
1: And of course, me. Back in the studio, after several weeks away. It's so good to talk to all of you. And it's particularly good to be here to talk about a franchise that I have as much of a soft spot for as I do the Fast and Furious franchise. Because we should point out the technical title of this movie, the official title, is Fast and Furious Presents, colon... Hobbs and Shaw.
2: Yes, it's totally groundbreaking. There are two ampersands in this <laughs> title. It's never been done. They two said ampers- it couldn't be done. Two
1: ampersands <laughs> and a colon. All right. Everything changed. Daisy, are you a Fast and Furious person generally? Oh, yes. I mean, like many people,
4: I came to it late. I had seen the originals and I really liked the trajectory they took as they went on. Right. But I am. I am one of those people. And, and
1: how did you like this one? Well, I mean,
4: I just have to say that this movie had everything it had <laughs> everything it had wrestling references it had instagram references it had the correct pronunciation of samoa followed by a mm. white person saying samoa it had <laughs> self awareness it had crazy action sequences and of course because it is part of the fast and furious franchise it had a diverse cast and a message about family
1: it's true it's true i tend to sort of agree it does it is that sort of what could you possibly Ask for Christina Tucker, what did you think?
3: At some point during this film, I murmured, Give this movie 16 Oscars. (laughs) (laughs) And then I walked out of the theater and literally immediately forgot everything that had just happened to me. Uh But I had a fantastic time when I was there and I loved every minute of it.
1: Yeah, it's funny, Chris and I saw the film together. And my reaction to these movies, and Chris knows this because he's seen these movies with me before, is that I always, at some point during the movie, just say, yay, (laughs) clap my hands, usually during the movie at some point. And I did that. But then Chris and I went and had a drink. And once we had had a drink, I said to him, the problem is I've already forgotten everything that happened during that movie. (laughs) Yeah. Chris, you tend to be, I don't want to say the wet blanket of the Fest and Furious franchise, but the more, more
2: of a saturated textile, uh, <laughs> smothering, try, trying to. You are uh, the saturated yes, textile
1: the- of the Fast and Furious franchise. Tell me why. As a guy who likes a punching movie, absolutely. You, you persistently have issues. I know. Issues with I this
2: have. Franchise. I have so many, so many chips on my shoulder. It's true. I, even though I enjoy watching them with you, I enjoy being in the right. in the Holmesian enthusiasm it's our, it's our field. That's uh, Yes. Yes. Okay. So when I reviewed the Fate of the Furious, I asked the question: Why just rip off Point Break as the first Fast and Furious did? when you can rip off everything. In Hobbs and Shaw, we get to a point where cyborg Idris Elba has his back split open and he is being welded back together after a battle in which his uh, hyper-alloy combat chassis has been damaged. He is speaking to a disembodied, electronically altered voice who is telling him, they could be great assets if they could be turned to the dark side. (laughs) Come on, <laughs> come on! Like your... the, you, you know, Yay. it's a little bit of like the. As I said in my Yay. review, like the, Yes, there is, there is petty larceny, and reaction. then there is Grand Theft Auto, uh-huh. and and of course, you know, Fast and Furious. You want to go for Grand Theft Auto. I, I think to answer your question more seriously, you know, the first movie is so clearly templated on Point Break, which is a great woman directed action movie. When Justin Lin comes back for the next two, it's going to make eleven of these movies. Uh-huh. None of them have been directed by a woman. But that that milieu. Don't use my like, own like,
1: talking points against uh, me. Sorry, yeah. yeah. But I, I mean, no, transposing
2: right, right, the the milieu right. of surf culture to Los Angeles street uh-huh. racing culture. I mean, that's an interesting world. That's a great environment for a, for a movie. And as it has moved away from that and and templated itself more on on Mission Impossible. Really, Mission Impossible. I often feel like these movies are the Max Fisher players making Mission Impossible. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: Star Wars, yes, and yes, the Terminator. yes. And
2: uh, yeah. now, now I will say the the weird. Like I, I saw some people commenting on uh, a Kurosawa reference in the final act of this movie, which I didn't get. And I mean, I know I know my Kurosawa pretty well, but I haven't seen everything, and I, I didn't pick up on that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, and I do think Chris is right. There's some borrowing that goes <laughs> on. Some borrowing, franchise to franchise. Does it bother you? Does it not bother you? I love it. I mean, I
4: feel like when it comes to borrowing, they do it well in that they do it in a way that is inviting. It feels like they're going, hey, we probably all like a lot of the same stuff, actually, right? So <laughs> let's just have fun with that, uh-huh. right? And that, and that to me is what really works about this franchise as someone who also loves action movies. I grew up almost not exclusively, like honestly, most the other things I found, I found on my own, but my mother was obsessed with action movies. We saw every single John claude Van Damme, Steven Seagal, every single movie, opening weekend, every Friday night. That was the majority of my childhood. Oh, why,
2: why are we not married, Daisy?
4: <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, But I also feel like there are times where Those movies or people who, like, take a lot of pride—not you, Chris—but, like, people who take a lot of pride in loving those movies can be very gatekeepery, right? Like, And and, and I feel this a lot in a lot of things I love. I'm a huge sports fan. As much as I love it, I don't feel welcome in certain spaces around it. I am a huge comics fan. As much as I love it, I don't feel welcome in certain spaces around it. And these movies, to me, the references don't feel cheap. The references feel like, hey, let's just all get in on the fun. Yeah. And let's keep going and and get— crazier and crazier, right? Like, I think we all know going from, like, Fate of the Furious, like, eventually, eventually, these movies have to end up in space. <laughs> right, they're no, it's to true. space, Right, they're just, like, Absolutely. working their way there. And this yeah. felt like the kind of villain that Idris Elba was felt like, hey, even we think this might be slightly too weird to put in the main (laughs) franchise. But we also know that you're probably with us, so we're going to do it here. It feels really inviting in its own way. And I think if it didn't, that would be one thing. But I think it, like, takes what it is doing seriously without taking itself seriously, and that's why it really, really works for me. Yeah. And just that overall sense of fun and inclusivity.
3: Yeah, I totally, like, it would bother me more if there were no references. If there was like, oh, no, we're just, we didn't invent this. Like, who could say where the Terminator came from? Right. Like, the idea that they're kind of in culture with us is hilarious and bizarre.
1: Right, because and at one point they call him a Terminator. Exactly. They call, yeah. call yes. it Shelba the Terminator at one point. Yeah,
3: it was fully in-world and honestly and beautifully yeah. developed, and I felt I had a great time, what more do I need? And
1: I do think one of the big things that distinguishes these films and this franchise is that people are always waiting for like, what's the funny action idea that Mm -hmm. you've never seen before? Or at least that you haven't seen before unless you've watched a a lot of action movies, right? (laughs) Right. That you may have never seen before, even though it may have been done before.
2: I I think this movie actually has one.
1: In this movie, there's a a thing toward the end with a bunch of trucks that (laughs) wind up (laughs) hitched to each other. It is one of my favorite action sequences. It's one of my favorite driving sequences ever. It's completely ridiculous. There's, of course, the necessary, like, something broke in all the things being tied together. Can someone hold it together with their muscles? Of course. (laughs) And the other one is this sequence that I thought was really funny, that really made me giggle of, They love in this film to put the two guys together, like working on in parallel. Right. So they'll have one guy doing one thing and the other guy doing another thing and they'll split screen them. And there's one sequence where it's not split screen as much as it is. They just happen to be in two sides of the same room. Effectively, what they're doing is Dwayne The Rock Johnson is fighting the horse sized duck. And Jason Statham is fighting the bunch of duck-sized horses. If you know the old, <laughs> would you rather fight the duck-sized horses or the horse-sized duck? And I think they have a sort of a funny, would you rather fight a big guy or a bunch of smaller guys? And it, I think it's really funny. And they get to a point where there's no way that it would go down the way it goes down, where, you know, one guy, when he's done fighting just sits there and taps his watch at the other guy like go ahead and finish <laughs> knocking off all these dudes like that would never happen if you actually were trying to save the planet you'd try to go yeah. help in some way no, th-
2: I mean that's stuff I like and, and bringing in David Leach as a director who made uh, Atomic Blonde and Deadpool 2 and you know before that worked with Chad Stahelski on the first John Wick, John Wick. and mm-hmm. you know they were stunt mm-hmm. coordinators second unit directors on many many films before this for, for decades but I mean I think that's what you get you get a more inventive sense of the yeah. I, I think the symmetry of that sequence the no, that's my door. Pick another door. I think that probably comes from him, from you know, just a whole career of right. figuring out exactly where everything has to be in the frame, and yeah. how can we work with the strengths of the actors that we have to mm-hmm. make them both look good. And which, which I think that is a more, a more honorable and even artistic uh, way of looking at it than the Wall Street Journal story that we we spoke of <laughs> before we started taping, <laughs> revealing that uh, Diesel, of course, Johnson, and Statham. Never want to lose a fight and, and probably lost
1: and have it negotiated <laughs> a way not that they to lose a fight that they can't lose a fight. Right, yeah, yes. it's true.
2: And I, of course, I am, I, I, am a stand for the for the Mission Impossible films, and I, I don't want to lean into that too much, even though I think part of my sort of uh, snittiness about this franchise is that they consistently do better than the Mission I know. Impossible. You films, always want them to be, you always <laughs> yeah.
1: want them to be the. Ones I, I think not. Are,
2: I they are. They are taking stuff from a franchise with a, that's not any better on character, but but it is better on stunts, and and you know, there's more vers similitude but uh six mission impossible movies in at least four of them tom cruise has either lost a fight to a woman or been rescued by a woman now, if Vin Diesel ever does that, I will eat my humble pie not, with a side of fries, Yeah, not in know? fights,
1: but I, in the Fast and Furious movies, you do have women who, they might not beat those particular guys, yeah. but they are part of the group, and they also fight, yeah. and they also mm-hmm. get in there and scrap, and that's true in, in this movie, yeah. too, with Vanessa Kirby. They may not beat that guy, and I do think that you have to point out, if you're going to say, well, you know, Tom Cruise maybe lost a fight to a woman, I think if you're going to think about the inclusivity, I've said this to you before, I yeah. think it's hard to overestimate the amount of goodwill that this franchise built up by from the beginning being a richly diverse cast Mm -hmm. in terms of race and, as we were talking about, gender as well, including a lot of different folks. And I think the fact that it was like that has been something that has given it a sort of a populist appeal that maybe some of the franchises that it's hugely you, important you like
2: and haven't they, they're, they're weaker on that. It's true. It's absolutely yeah. true. And and yeah. you know my knee jerk thing when we're debating this is always well wait is casting more important than writing? Yes, it is. Well, actually,
1: it, dep- it depends. <laughs> on I mean, what, yeah. like that
2: we could still yeah. make the script stronger, and I would like it if they did. Yeah, you know, but and I, and, uh, casting is the is the key thing.
4: Yeah, I would want to just add though too. Like I also really love the Mission Impossible movies, and I really appreciate how seriously they take action as well, like, just always trying to find another level. But, you know, I would say when it comes to both franchises, I leave those movies not remembering plot points as much as I remember Mm -hmm. the action sequences. And I honestly, like, until we're talking about it right now, having seen every Mission Impossible in a theater, and having watched them more than once at home, (laughs) um, I didn't remember that he that he lost a fight to a woman. But I love that Letty is treated like Dom's equal and that he never questions like their abilities. Right. And so like that aspect of the role that the women play in the movies is really interesting. Same thing with, um, you know, before she was Wonder Woman, Gal Gadot was in the Fast and Furious movies. And so even though we don't always see them do all the things I'd love to see them do, they're treated with a level of respect and equality within the gang. Right. And yeah. the family that
1: honestly sticks with me more. Yeah. And I want to go back to something, Daisy, that you were talking about earlier, which is the stuff that takes place when ultimately Hobbs, who is the one who's played by by <laughs> Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've checked several times. He's Hobbs. <laughs> takes everybody back to Samoa. And as you mentioned, they really do spend a decent amount of time there. And I think, although it wasn't filmed there, it was, I think, mostly filmed in Hawaii, most of it. Most of the outside Mm -hmm. stuff. And then some Mm -hmm. of the kind of the big supersets were in In, in the the, UK. yeah, Yeah, London studio. But I liked that kind of change of scenery, Daisy. What'd you think?
4: I did like that too. I liked that we went to all of these different places. You know, it's fun. As as you were referencing earlier, the movie has these kind of side by side moments. And so Hobbs and Shaw are not from the same place. So we kind of start spreading it out. And that's something that the, the main franchise has done, you know, in a really crazy, increasingly crazy way as well. Like the first movie is just like we're in L.A. Right. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. They're like people who live somewhere within the bounds of physics in L.A., and uh, we've gotten far, far away from that. So I like that they're, you know, globe-hopping, and I think it's fun, too, if you're going to talk about people needing to save the world, I want them to be going around the world yeah. if that's what mm-hmm. they're trying to save as opposed to we're saving just it. Just sitting in L.A. Um,
2: yeah, on, and like, and all also the I want street. them to put two people on the case, not just one person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. Because and this virus could, could kill three and a half yeah, and, billion. And, so and so Vanessa we better... Kirby
1: who's, who is playing uh, Shaw's sister. Yes,
2: Shaw's sister back hilarious. when they were, were little kids when uh, Deckard <laughs> Shaw was nine and Vanessa Kirby was 12 <laughs> years away from being conceived and they had little scams. <laughs> yep.
3: I think Vanessa Kirby was great, aside from the fact that it is hilariously unbelievable that she is, in any way, close in age to one Jason Statham. Her chemistry with The Rock was kind of question mark, but it's not (laughs) really the point of these movies, so I didn't really care, but I was just like, oh, oh, okay.
1: So, sort of obligatory, it felt. Yeah. Uh Yeah. And another thing that I talked about a little bit when I came out of this movie was there is a plot contrivance that sets up a big giant epic final battle without guns mm. and it is not just the fact that with the enormous weight of actual gun violence i am not always uh, psyched about watching a bunch yeah. of people shoot each other. Yeah. Not that nobody shoots each other in the movie because they do. But when it mm-hmm. all comes down, and this is kind of my one beef with the John Wick movies, I find mm. the horse fighting and the book fighting and all the stuff really inventive. Yeah. Right. But then it comes down to just shooting a bunch yeah. of people. And in this one, not only are you kind of spared that experience um, for the that final mm. battle, but as... Always happens. It then pushes them to do other things, and that's how you get this—the yeah. kind of truck fight and you <laughs> the, get the, the, the truck beach chopper. Of, uh, and with the, the sort of the together. the and there's a whole there's again a story contrivance for this, but sort of the weapons that are at hand, but not guns. And I right. was surprised how refreshing I found it when so often we talk about these kind of bombastic final sequences. Yeah. And it's not that this isn't bombastic, because uh, it is. <laughs> but, it but it's is. differently bombastic. It's not just a bunch yeah. of people shooting at each other. And I found it more interesting for that reason.
2: I, I, I want to uh, quote one of uh, one of Hobbes's wait, Hobbes' Johnson, right?
1: Yes, uh-huh. <laughs> hashtag
2: get after it. Hashtag Project Rock. Hashtag. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, he, he rallies his uh, his extended family by saying, they may have all the technology in the world – but we have
1: heart. That's right. Yeah, that's,
3: and it was beautiful, yep. and I believed
2: it.
1: Well, that brings us to the end of our show. You can follow Chris at CT Clinic. You can follow Christina Tucker at C underscore Grace T. And you can follow Daisy at Run DMR. I always say it, my favorite Twitter name on the internet. Thanks to all of you guys for being here. Thank you. And thank you, of course, for listening to Pop Culture Happy Hour from NPR. If you have a second and you're so inclined, do subscribe to our newsletter. You can do that at npr.org slash popculturenewsletter. We will see you all right back here on Friday when we will talk about the new season of Veronica Mars.
0: I'm Shankar Vedantam, host of NPR's Hidden Brain. Think deeply. Here to tell you about our summer series, U 2.0. Ideas and advice about how you can respond to life's chaos. Let's do it. Just check to my inbox.
2: Just check, just check, just check to my phone, real quick.
0: With wisdom. Listen to Hidden Brain every week.